want to invite you to find a place to uh, sit or stand if you prefer. Today's the fifth Sunday, happens four times a year, and um, we traditionally will have a full family worship uh, gathering, kind of changing the speed of this for the next few uh, quarters, um, because uh, what we ultimately are valuing in these fifth Sunday gatherings is the, um, the opportunity for, for multi-generations to interact together. We want older folks to worship with younger folks. We want you to see their enthusiasm. We want our younger folks to learn what it's like to be in church, not just always taken to another part of the campus, put in another classroom, and, and taken through a set of curriculum, which normally is really good. Age-appropriate formation is, is very good, but you can't replicate the power of a whole community gathering together, people from all kinds of backgrounds and generations. That's the most effective way of passing on the story of the gospel uh, through our generations, is when we can share life together. And so what we, um, what we wanted to do is something different than anything we've done before, not for the sake of being different, but just in terms of some context. What we've done with these fifth Sundays in the past is we've had breakfast together, and that's fantastic because we get to eat, and, and it's always good to eat together because you build community through eating, right? That is a fantastic way of building community. Uh, the other direction we've swung with these full community gatherings is just traditional church worship. And we invite the kids in and we take them through just a reduced, sort of a shortened version of our normal morning liturgy. We didn't want them to think that we ate in here all the time, right? We do, uh, we celebrate like communion in here, we sing together. So the other way we've gone, other than the breakfast route, is we've just done a shortened church gathering and the kids are invited in, and they go through, and they learn how to listen to a sermon, and those kinds of things. And both of those are powerful because we build community through worshiping together, and we build community through eating together. Um, as a few who work on this kind of thing with me discussed when we met, we, we, found, we thought of a third way that we can build community well together today. And so that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to play together. Before we jump into that, it won't be the whole time, but we're going to start that way. If you could grab a basket on the end of the aisle... If, and, and hand it down. I just want to do this in case this is your first time. You might not want to come back, and I want to get your name now. I'm just kidding. Um, if you'd like to fill out a card and just hand off your contact information, you're welcome to do that. Um, and you can turn that in later when we pass baskets through one more time. All right, so let me show you to begin today Basic outline, if you're a parent and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got my three-year-old sitting on my lap. We're going to play together, and then we're going to worship together. We're going to hear some, so um, some stories and sing some songs, and then we're going to have lunch together outside. We have a guy cooking tacos outside, and you're all welcome to stay as a gift and uh, just share lunch together. So we'll have a shortened gathering. This is what happened at the end of Ignite Early Youth Ministries last Sunday afternoon when most of the middle school students had dissipated, uh, some trash talking began between uh, Denise Alves, who is our family life director. Denise, are you in here? There you are. Okay. And my son, who's especially good at trash talking. And, and this is uh, what took place. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm not bad. <laughs> okay. Wait, ready, set, go. <laughs> Oh! 
What's got to happen next, right? You know what's got to happen next, right? <laughs> the right arm. All right, Denise, would you come up to the platform, please? Woo! Isaiah Nathan, would you come up to the platform, please? All right. This is the much anticipated, I think, rematch between Denise Alves our family life director, and my son, Isaiah Nathan. I'm looking for a title for you, but I'm not thinking of it. The yeah, great. the great, Isaiah the great. So um, here's, here's what's next. We could do a full-on like uh, arm wrestling rematch, but I don't think that, I think what we could do instead is uh, we could just deal with this like in a civilized manner. We do that. So we're going to play rock, paper, scissors for the rematch, all right? So in case you have never played rock, paper, scissors, I believe it's pretty much the most universal game. But this is the way we'll do it. I'm in the referee. You know there's a rock, paper, scissors association and there's worldwide tournaments? I learned that this week. So I'm the referee. I stand in the middle. <clears throat> we do this. We go one, two, three, and then you shoot, right? Rocks, paper, scissors, shoot. Rocks, paper, scissors, all right? So you guys are going to model that. And then we're going we're gonna to pick it up from there, okay? So we'll do just a one time, not best of three, just a once and for all, winner take all, rock, paper, scissors, all right? Yeah, cheering is encouraged, hooting and hollering, absolutely. All right. I guess if you beat him, then it'll be tied and we will have to do it one more time. All right, ready? And beep. Oh, hold on. It's up. We've got to go one, two, three, and then shoot. All right, ready, go. One, two, three. Oh, it's a tie. Oh! <laughs> All right, so now, you won the arm wrestling, barely, and you won the rock, paper, scissors, first round. So this is the winner take all, final result. Ready, go, beep. Oh, and Denise is the winner. All right, so here's what we do from here. This is going to be crazy. I'm channeling my inner youth pastor. It's been 10, 12 years, but it's coming. It's coming. I want everybody to, everybody can participate in this. If you're old enough to count to three, you can participate in this. Um, you're going to, you're going to find, just a second, you're going to find somebody close to you, and you're going to do one time, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. If you win, you find somebody else. If you lose, you become the rooting section for the one who beat you. So the first winner is Denise. Isaiah is her rooting section. He'll be cheering for her. And it will just go 
will filter down and more and more people will win and more people will lose and we'll end up with just a couple people if this works. And then I want the final two people to come up on the stage and have a final like raucous half the church cheering for one person, half the church cheering for the other. Is this the craziest thing? Is this just ridiculous? You're like, I got out of bed for this? All right. So don't be a, don't be a hoser. Do this. You, you are not too old to do this. You are not too young to do this. It takes no physical skill. It's purely fun, all right? So um, let's stand up together, and Chris is gonna rock some music, and you're on your own. Winner take all, go ahead. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a winner. Find another winner. Winners find winners. All right, raise your hand if you're a winner. Winners find winners. We got to keep going. If, you've, if you're winning, raise your hand. <laughs> Losers cheer for the winners. Find some other bet. Okay, we got Morgan and Levi. You got a winner, a winner over there? Any winners over here? Do, do we just have two more? Come on up, Dimitri and. Oh, wait. Is it. Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, we got Morgan, Dimitri, Morgan, Connie. Simeon? Okay, let's have four of you come up here. Any other winners? Come on up here. I need a sit. Any other? Okay, come on up. All right. Lower that just a minute for me. All right. Brooklyn and... All right, are you guys ready? This is a semi-final right here, it's a semi-final. Okay, ready on me, ready, go. Oh, we got the winner, good job, Brooklyn. All right, who else is still left? Connie? Did you get beat, Dimitri? Oh my gosh, I almost won the whole thing. All right, who's left? 
You guys? Are you? I'm confused. These two are still in. Let's have the boys play. Is Simeon still in? All right. Okay, you guys go next. Ready to go. Oh! Okay. Let's get an adult up here. All right, Morgan Zerwas. Good job. All right. Is it Morgan versus Simeon for the chip? Oh, no, Connie. Let's cheer him on. We got Simeon and Morgan. Simeon and Morgan. Good job. Simeon's going to default right on, bro. It's all right. That's a lot of pressure. Come on up, Connie. <laughs> the whole church is looking at me. All right, here it is for the championship. Connie versus Morgan. Go ahead. Oh! <laughs> Good job, Connie Jenkins. Thank you very much. I did. It was, I shouldn't have said that. All right, go ahead and find your seats. Thanks for playing. You guys are great sports. <clears throat> Let me share a thought with you briefly. So, as I, uh, I just read this study. <laughs> Reeling back. <clears throat> yep. So this is crazy. Somebody just did this study. I won't get into the weeds. Essentially, it was a study to see how you, could, um, how you could handle pain. Pain is like a hobby of mine. I'm interested in studying it. So the study would be like Isaiah and I would put our hands, both, he would put his hand in a bucket of water full of ice, and so would I, and they would see how long the person could last without pulling their hand out because of the pain. They thought that if you were facing somebody that you knew, you'd be able to handle the pain longer because there's your friend right there encouraging who you want. What they were surprised to discover was that you actually could sustain pain less long when you knew the person across from you than you could if the person across from you was a total stranger. In other words, if the person across from you, you never even met them before, you could experience pain a lot longer than if you were, you know, your hand was in the ice across from your spouse or one of your friends. What the most, the most surprising thing was that when those two strangers then played a game together for 10 minutes, they could handle pain as long as somebody who had known the other person for a very long time. In other words, by playing together, enough empathy was developed that they felt like they knew each other, and then seeing that person in pain actually amplified my pain, and I could handle pain for a shorter amount of time. Did that make sense? I think that's fascinating. Normally we say join people in their pain because we want to help alleviate their pain. What we actually are doing, according to this study, and probably as a biblical worldview, is joining people in their pain so that we can share in their pain. 
right? That's powerful. That has such huge ramifications for community. And essentially what that means in terms of the value of playing together, if, if really, if you can gain empathy for somebody simply by playing together, then we need to shift our way of thinking a bit because not only can we grow community by worshiping together, not only can we grow community by eating together, we've done those two things for 11 years, we can also grow community together by playing together. Isn't that interesting? By simply sharing life together, having some fun, uh, different generations mixing it up, we can actually get to know each other better and hopefully that makes a difference in the long run. All right, amen on that. I'm excited about that. So what we're gonna do for the next few minutes is I've invited two families to share stories of restoration. Uh, our theme moving forward is restoration. We wanna be all about sharing life together. We wanna be all about discovering Jesus together. And then as we move into this next decade of our life as a church together, we wanna be about restoring all things. And that can, that can, that can um, stay up here in this sort of ethereal, philosophical, hypothetical world of restoring all things, unless it, it gets down into the nitty-gritty and we hear real stories of restoration. We think what we need in order to unlock the parts of our life that are still being protected by fear, still being guarded by shame, most in need for restoration, what we need to open the doors onto that part of our life is to hear real people sharing real stories about their own restoration. So um, I have invited uh, a very brave and gracious couple who's been a part of our church since almost the very beginning to, to begin today. Would you welcome Josh and Rebecca Unfried? you guys yeah yeah you can each use one yeah. check one it's nice not be singing today hi everyone i'm josh i'm rebecca yes the better half for sure uh rebecca and i have, are going on 18 years of marriage this august yes and even more amazing we have survived four children. <laughs> so we have four survived. survived. We're not done surviving. surviving. We have four, uh, four kids who are not with us today. They're with Grandpa at a soccer game. Very grateful for Grandpa so that we could be here with all of you. Uh, we're going to take just a few moments to share. Some of you uh, we've been doing sharing life with at Emmaus for a long time. Um, some of you know our story, some of you don't. And uh, Nate invited us to uh, take a step of courage and today basically open up and share some things that uh, some of you might be surprised to know. The reality is that today we enjoy, a, this is a story, by the way, of a restored marriage, of a completely restored marriage. And we've been married for 18 years, we have four kids, but the reality is, is our, we share a very strong connection um, today. And we aren't perfect. We are not the perfect marriage for sure. We have disagreements on a regular basis. You smiling? Do you have anything to add to that? Should I, I feel like I need to just let you weigh in if there's your side. That's, that's yeah, true. That is true. Um, we have gone through seasons of our, of our relationship where connection has been stronger than others. Um, the season of life we've shared the strongest connection is the season that we are spending time in the word together and in prayer. Um, but it 
hasn't always been that way. So we've been married 18 years. We moved here from San Diego in 2001, right before uh, Emmaus uh, really got kicked off and started. And the fourth year of our marriage was a doozy <laughs> for us. <laughs> and the reality is, is that we were in San Diego. I was uh, helping part-time with a church, also going to school, working some part-time jobs. Rebecca was going to school as well. She was a loan officer. Uh, this was back in, this is four years before, well, four years after 1998, so whenever that is, 98. And we were starting, our connection started to uh, become further and further apart. And we didn't even notice at the point where I was, I was working during the day with the church. Rebecca was working at night. And also, I was helping with the church on the weekends, which is, if you've been in ministry, the weekends are not a vacation. Very, full. very, very full. And we grew over time, we grew, we, we, we lost our connection, and um, do you want to say anything about that part? Um, well, no, I mean, it Mike. just, it's a mic. I love a mic, I love having a mic in front of me. Um, yeah, him working during the day, and then me working, coming home late at night, and then him having a weekend full really led to us almost leading separate lives together. Yeah. And there were some other dynamics going on. One was, is that, um, I mean, there were some immaturities on, on both sides. On my side, uh, Rebecca was going to school and, and basically pulling her most of the weight financially for us. Um, and I was in ministry, but I was also uh, golfing during the days, playing video games, just, you know, <laughs> stupid stuff. And... I can't remember when it was, but Rebecca got into a very serious accident, a jet ski accident, where literally it's a miracle that she survived it. She severed her liver with her rib. Um, one of her kidneys was com completely, um, basically, uh, unfunctional. And the doctors couldn't do anything for seven days but just wait and see what happened. And ultimately... All, all that to say is that Rebecca started to question a lot of things about my ability to provide for the family and lead the family. She was putting a lot out there. The reality is I was putting some out there. I wasn't putting it all out there for her. And It, it brought me to a yeah. point, too, of just feeling like I wanted my family. I, I wanted more. I needed connection. Being in that serious position and having my family there with me when they came to the hospital and everything made me really long for connection with people that I was close with and, and wanting to be near them. Mm -hmm. And before that, you were wanting to move here. Her family's here. Okay, all of our college and sports system is there. Yeah. And ultimately what happened was during Rebecca's recovery, I was doing everything I could to help her. And she wasn't letting me. And that was really hard. That was really hard because I almost lost my wife and then I was also wanting to care for her. And because of things that have happened up to that point, she wasn't in a place where she was allowing me <clears throat> to care for her. Um, during that season, God completely changed my heart with that. 
And I went from completely rejecting the idea of moving here to basically flipping a 180 and deciding that I'll do anything that I need to do to regain the trust and the connection of my wife. And I moved here before you, before you did. She stayed there to work so that we could qualify for a home. We were separated for five months. I was sleeping on her brother-in-law's couch. She was continuing to work. And that turned out to be a not, great, not a great decision. That distance, that five months. Um, just a season of. A se yeah, a season of, of distance. And also, I would frame it as, um, you know, for both of us, we were at a place where um, it just was very unhealthy. And there is selfishness on both sides. And we went through a season that many marriages do not recover from. And coming out of that, uh, with the future of our relationship on the table, we came to a fork in the road. And we basically had to decide, do we want to work through this restoration together, which is going to be a very long road, or do we give up? I never dreamed I would ever be in that position. And I don't, I'm certain you didn't. No. You want to say something? No, I, well, in our, just relating that to the story of the road to Emmaus, just their, their mm -hmm. disappointment of, oh, well, that didn't happen the way that I thought that it was gonna happen. That, that was not what I expected. And just yeah, we've been talking about this all week, and we've been tying in this story of Emmaus. For those that haven't read it, it's Luke chapter 24, and go read it if you haven't. But it's a story that, that we've kind of tapped into to share. That, that fork in the road, ultimately, we decided to, to move towards restoration. It was a decision that we made together. And that was the beginning of a very long road. And that road is the, I, we found sort of meaning in the significance of the two travelers who were walking away very disappointed, very just, we had hoped that something was gonna be a certain way and it just has not turned out this way. And the reality is that our decision to be restored included about a year and a half of counseling. And we went every week and we had to do a lot of hard work. There had been stuff that I had carried into the relationship. Uh, there's been stuff that you had carried into the relationship and it was a long, long road. And sometimes it was three steps forward, four steps back. <laughs> it was just like, but ultimately the Lord brought people into our life that I would describe as the third traveler. Um, there have been people at Emmaus. A lot of you didn't know this as we were going on the road to recovery, but there uh, were a few of you that the Lord put in our path to inspire us and to continue our, our road towards restoration. Another thing that was important to us over, over the years is the time that we share together, protecting that. And we've had four kids, and a lot is threatening that connection at times because of the noise and the, of the sports and the, just the noise. <laughs> <laughs> and we, over the years, have had to fight really hard to protect that. And um, so when we start with sharing about how things are today, the reality is, is that 
it hasn't been easy. And I've been very grateful for this person in my life and the restoration that God has done in our hearts, in our marriage. We have realized, we realized a while back that we could just enjoy that and celebrate that. And that would be great for us. But the Lord started to put people in our path here at Emmaus and in our life that needed hope, whose marriage has come to the point where there's a lot of hurt. There is total disconnection between the two. And for some, even weighing the reality of not continuing, or some grieving the reality that the marriage was over. And we're up here today, it's not easy to share a story where there were a lot of mistakes in the past. But the Lord has done something, has done a complete miracle in our relationship. And we want to be a part of the restoration of other marriages. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're sharing what we're sharing. Um, we came back from family camp, uh, which is a vacation that we go to every year with our kids uh, about, I don't know, maybe six years ago. And we had church that Sunday was at Virginia Town, and the topic was wisdom. And Nate had asked uh, the Coons and uh, Rich and Bev Borby, and I think a couple others to speak on this nugget of wisdom that they, that they wanted to share. And the Borbies that Sunday shared the secret to their marriage was every morning getting up together at 6.30 and spending time praying and in God's word together. And the Lord used that story to plant that kind of desire in our heart. And that, that basically for us has resulted in... Uh, seasons of, of connection, not only together, but also connection with the Lord together. Um, you want to say anything? Yeah. Um, also, just beyond that, too, um, you know, they're sitting at the table and they're like, we got to go back. We just, you know, it's dark and we got to go back. We got to tell people. The story of Emmaus, yeah. Um, and so going back to us means going back and telling people that we know are in need of hearing this story. And um, that's where even more of our restoration came, was, okay, we always met, Josh and I always met beforehand, knowing that we're going to talk to somebody, and we would pray about it, and we would say, you know, what we're going to be talking about, and um, it would further our restoration in just talking to each other of, more, it seems like every time we talk about it, more and more stuff comes out and gets, more stuff gets healed. <laughs> yeah, there's just further and further restoration every single time that we yeah. talk and then we share it with somebody and then seeing how that affects um, other marriages is just the confirmation that we need to get over the hump of that's scary to share my story or what are they going to think or who who's I mean are they going to think I'm a bad person or you know what are they there's just so much fear in sharing your mistakes and it just gives you that confirmation yes they needed to hear that and the confirmation of 
now look at us, we're even like even further um, restoring our relationship through what God has called us to do of sharing the hope of a restored marriage. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys, this is real. This is real stuff for us. And uh, I know we're, we're probably at the end of our, our time. I would like to say just a couple things. There's, there may be three groups of people that, that could be impacted um, with this story. One is if you're in a marriage that is hurting and you feel stuck, you need to know that you're not alone. You need to know the value of community. And you need to know that there are people that God will place in your path to walk alongside you through it. The second group, if there are marriages in this room that are considering the fork in the road, you need to know that complete restoration is possible. On the other side of a long road towards restoration is a connection that I would have never even dreamed of. And four kids, raising four kids with my best friend, the challenges that that brings. I mean, we absolutely love being parents. It is hard and it is awesome. (laughs) But we do it together and serving together. And this this is a miracle, what God has done. And you need to know that it's possible that no matter what, where you've come from, God can restore your relationship. And he can restore you. The third group is if God has done some form of restoration in your life, and this is just beyond marriage. This is any form of restoration for men, for women, um, wounds of the past as a, as a child. I don't care what it is. If God has helped restore you in some way, you have an opportunity to be a third traveler and open up and share your story as well when it's appropriate. And I I would encourage you to pray and ask God to place people in your path and get connected in home groups, get connected here at Emmaus and watch who he places because there is a way that God's going to work through you in a powerful way. And this is freaking awesome. (laughs) You guys, it is amazing to be a part of God's story of restoration and it's just been exciting for both of us. Um, yeah, I think that um, also along with that to tell somebody, like to, to share either with us or to share with Nate, um, this is my story. And because um, Nate has reached out to us, people that we had no idea were hurting or a different story that, um, so sometimes people come to us that know something and people come to Nate and then Nate directs people to us. So letting somebody know your situation, your story can then be, um, we can just reach more people that way because then I, I could, you know, send someone to someone else that is going to have a better connection because of their story. And that's going to bring them more hope because of hearing that specific story. Yeah. We're considering opening up a home group. We've done this before where we go through a book together. Um, focus on the marriage and um, I'd like to invite anyone today if God's placed it on your heart to reach out to us to let us know what's going on please do it we're here we'll set up time it doesn't matter that we have four kids and it's crazy this is a huge priority for us so thank you Nate for the opportunity
great job. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. Thanks. Really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate you folks sharing. Thank you very much. I want to hear just from um, one other family quickly uh, this morning. Uh, let's see, Clay and Michelle, would you guys join me up here? Uh, anyone who wants to come up with you? Clay and Michelle Rojas have been a part of our church for several years. Um, they have just recently accepted a, a full-time position at our sister church in Auburn, Auburn Parkside Church of the Nazarene, where Clay will be serving the youth up there as a youth pastor. And uh, so we want to announce that uh, and give them a chance to share about the restoration of the last several years of their journey. All of these stories are worth a day of listening to and hearing. Um, and so the challenge is, of course, is trying to share all this stuff in a short time. But uh, Clay, go ahead, share a little bit about um, w the restoration that's happened in your family in the last couple of years and your connection here. And then uh, we'll pray for you as you move on to the next okay. assignment. All right, excuse me. Um, so a lot of you, some of you know our story. A lot of you do. Some of you do not. Um, our long, dark journey started in 2010 and um, when I was indicted by the federal government and subsequently ended up going to prison. And as a result of that, leaving these um, beautiful women behind. Now, Lincoln is not really a community that, has, that is really impacted by that. If our church was in Stockton or in South Sac or something, um, that would be something where the church is a little more familiar with people going to jail or prison. However, uh, the Emmaus community at no time ever judged or um, did anything except love us to the fullest. Uh, they embraced, uh, you guys embraced my family, and I think that's something special to say. So, um, you know, you guys have really been a part of our restoration. And I'm going to let my wife, so I, I personally want to say thank you to everyone because at some point in time, um, we used um, funds from Emmaus to eat, to live, you know, Michelle and the girls needed that while I was gone. We went from having a lot of money to absolutely zero, maybe even negative. Uh, and so, you know, we really needed those funds. Michelle really used the stuff for the single moms while I was away. So for all of you who have given money at some point in time uh, into the offering, um, you're looking right now at what could happen with your money, what could happen when you give to a church. Um, and, you know, it's not always announced. Um, Nathan's not the type of person to say every time that they help someone, they do it because they help people all the time. And a lot of times the, the greater church is not aware of it. So I just want to encourage you guys to keep giving because it works. Um, and so before I hand the microphone off to my wife, I, I love every single person here, but I do have to recognize a couple of people um, who were really, uh, in terms of my personal restoration, who were who really played a big role. So I really, Nathan and Carmen, thank you. Um, Ron, uh, who offered me work when no one else would. Uh, ben Black, who also offered me work when no one else would and, you know, really helped me support my family. Um, Stephen Lenzen and James Hopkins for just helping me with my accountability and spiritual formation. Mark Loeb for helping me with the, our nonprofit. Without you, they wouldn't be here. Um, Bob and Pat for the spiritual help and formation. Matt and Denise Alves. Matt was, you know, Matt's also another guy who's super quiet, doesn't really tell people a lot of what he does. 
Uh, and you wouldn't think that Matt, being a police officer, would help me who was in prison, but he played a huge role in helping us put together a lot of stuff that we needed for our nonprofit, for our ministry. Um, so thank you, Matt and Denise. Um, and then Bill and Mary Ferris, um, who gave us an opportunity to serve back. Um, we found ourselves really helping Bill and Mary a lot, and, and me, myself, just connecting with Bill and having that time to spend with him. It gave me an opportunity to give back. And then, um, of course, Carlos and Robin, who we share life with all the time at the Axiom and at, at our home. So we love you all. We thank you. Um, we're not going to be too far away. We'll be in Auburn, uh, Parkside Church. So please come visit us when you can. Um, I actually have a lot on my heart and a lot to say, but um, for the sake of time, I'm just going to, you know, just like, you know, my husband shared, you guys have done so much for us. And um, just looking back, um, the, lo the Lord just foresaw the need that we were going to have and just, you know, took us from the Bay Area and planted us right here in Emmaus. And you guys have just been, you know, so accepting and loving and have given to us, like he said, financially, spiritually, you know, just supported us. Um, such a great job in embracing our family and the kids. And we just want to say thank you so much for that. And um, I was just planning on saying, you know, thank you and doing a mic drop for Robin and Carlos. But I'm not going to do that because he's watching me. But, um, you know, also the Lord just um, kind of led me to really think about what, you know, what Emmaus has done for us and, and the people that we have just enjoyed spending time with and who came along us, you know, during this time. And um, he just really put the community on my heart, um, the axiom, and just so many needs. Um, I really appreciated what Rebecca and um, Josh uh, really shared because um, the whole story of restoration, I feel like there are so many people in our community outside of these walls that need that you guys are strong and healthy and i feel like the lord is just saying and encouraging everyone to go out there and you know to share your lives with um the parents that are in need that don't know how to raise their children and don't have this community so i just feel the lord saying just this awesome community you know be my hands and feet and just go and and just share who i am and what i have done and share those stories with others that, you know, they will see the hope in, in, in me and who I am. And, you know, I could just stay here and just continue to talk about that. But I know that you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys know how to love on each other so much and on us. And I'm just so thankful. And I just encourage you to step out in faith and share your stories of restoration and brokenness and need. Because there's so many people out there that might seem like they have it all together. But when they get home, they're, they're broken, they're, they're needy, they're lost, they have no direction. And, you know, we all know what happens. There tends to be broken homes, single families in need, children who are unattended, who don't have, home, you know, hot meals to come home to or, you know, parents that are present. So I just want to say thank you so much and continue to do what you guys do, which is love on each other and just thank you. Thank you so much. I really love you guys. Wait, and I forgot Nick and Amy. Thank you for putting a roof over our heads. Where are you guys? Oh, yeah. Where are they? Thank you, guys. We love you.
Now let me pray for you. Would you join me as we pray for them? Uh, Clay's ministry to prison, uh, to families affected by prison continues, um, but God has provided a way for them to serve at a church full-time, which is fantastic, and we're grateful to be in the same network. Uh, it's another Nazarene church up the road. So would you pray with them, for them with me? Lord, we're grateful for this family, for the years we've been able to share with them, and we ask that you would especially bless Clay and Michelle as they serve kids and families up in Auburn. Uh, may their story continue to fuel the restoration of others and God, I pray you'd provide and support and guide and lead them and that they would love each other with grace in the process in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Love you Thank you. Good job, man. Thanks. All right, we're going to take just a very brief break, um, prepare to celebrate communion together, and then we will uh, move outside. So why don't you stand up with me? I uh, want to give you a minute just to greet those around you and more importantly to offer peace to one another. Um, I hope that the stories have stirred something in you and that you will um, pass on the peace of Christ to others. So may the peace of Christ be always with you. Thank you. Take one minute. We'll move the altar table out in front and we'll come back together.